It's October 7th and I've already voted. Do you have a voting plan? Today, Robin talks about capitalism and ethical abundance with entrepreneur Lisa Yancey, and we talk about the meaning of Ikigai. All this and more on The Leftscape. Hi, my name's Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. And hi, I'm Robin Renee. And we have three random facts to start out our show. Fact one, today is the birthday of Tony Braxton, Yo-Yo Ma, Tom York of Radiohead, and Vladimir Putin. (laughs) Fact two... Is the cats have fewer toes on their back paws than their front paws. Like most four-legged animals, they have five toes on the front. But actually, would you call them toes or would you call them fingers? Uh, but, I think they're toes. Okay. <laughs> but their back paws only have four toes. Scientists think the four-toe back paws might help them run faster. But every, everybody hmm. wants to run faster, so I don't get it. <laughs> well, I mean, the fifth toe on the front paws of the cat is that dew it's claw like that isn't thumb, really huh? yeah, vaguely. I mean, be glad. Be glad they don't have opposable thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> they would They would definitely Wreaking be like taking over the universe. <laughs> Rando, the I mean, cat would probably into break s- into my house. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, and my yeah, fact your locks. is... Yeah. <laughs> Is <laughs> my fact is that it's time for fall planting for various bulbs, and garlic is one of those. Garlic is a beneficial companion plant to almost everything fruit trees, vegetables, and even flowers. It attracts beneficial insects like ladybugs and lacewings, and it repels harmful in- insects. And it also deters other animals like rabbits, squirrels, deer, and moose. moose. And squirrel. <laughs> yeah, moose and it deters moose and squirrel, and and I uh, I have a kind of vaguely embarrassing thing. I was ordering bulbs and all kinds of crap all month, and and stuff has been coming in. And I got my garlic shipment yesterday, and it said, you know, when I was ordering, and it, it's only it was only giving me like uh, five garlic bulbs, and. I said, well, five isn't going to be enough. So I ordered three of them and then I get it. And it's like, I get these little bags and it's like, well, this looks like the shit you get at the grocery store. So why did I go order this from like a I was place? just thinking that. <laughs> well, it's, 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 I could be ordering like fancy weird garlic from far away and other things, but this was like regular garlic. But then I'm reading the instructions and it's like, you don't put the bulb in there. You put a clove in there. So now I've got, like over a hundred garlic cloves to plant in my So home. you can put them all around the perimeter to keep out moose and squirrel. To. And keep out vampires. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm going to put it all in the front yard so no vampires will come visit me in Halloween. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> so that's my random fact. That sounds cool. Well, those are some random facts. 
And um, <laughs> before we move on to the news, we just want to send out a shout out to our Leftscape listeners and uh, new Patreon supporters. And if you're new to the show, hello and welcome. Hi. <laughs> and you can catch a new episode of the Leftscape every other Wednesday and subscribe on our website, which is Leftscape. Com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're at it, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash leftscape. And follow us on Twitter at leftscape. And you can also follow us on Instagram at, you guessed it, at leftscape. <laughs> <laughs> so to support this podcast, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash leftscape where there's extra content, fun perks, and opportunities. You can join us at the front row seat level for as little as $1 a month. And this month, we are going to be introducing a brand new segment. And the first episode of that will be free for everyone, just to give you a little taste of the exclusive content that we have on Patreon for you. Thank you so much. Nice. So uh, here's all the news we can handle. Coming up later in the show, we've got Lisa Yancey, and I had a really good conversation with her. She is an entrepreneurial strategist of Yancey Consulting, and she also has a couple of other companies. One is Wee's Match, which is dedicated to the wealth and wellness of Black women and for Black women, and Sorsamed, which builds plant-based options for chronic pain management, and it focuses on sickle cell anemia. It's really fascinating what she has to say about oh all of the things that she's doing. And we also talked about, you know, the, the intention behind her businesses and, and how to work with like how holding the ideas of critiquing capitalism while really uh, working toward financial success and how that can play off of each other and work in a way that is oh, functional. I, and, and positive. I am really, really looking forward to listening to that because I, I want to hear how, how she's reconciling <laughs> anti-capitalism and, Financial wealth. I, that that okay. My brain just is, is she just really anti-capitalism? Well, you'll have to listen to the episode. <laughs> so listen on, and and we'll all find out, and maybe we'll have questions to bring up after the interview as well, and maybe next episode we'll talk more because it's it is a fascinating topic. So here's some of the news that we can barely handle. <laughs> <laughs> Our dear leader has contracted COVID and has also managed to have it spread all through the White House. Uh, and that kind of... Who had pushed... that on their bingo card? Oh, it was on my bingo card. <laughs> that I, He was going to get it eventually. I mean, how else? He doesn't wear a mask. You and, know? He, he goes and he has all and these and big he, you, uh, meetings. and Bigly, hugely meetings. And... And uh, but, it, but the thing is, it's it's kind of pushed everything else off of the front page, which, which it shouldn't. No. And, and I think that's kind of this. This has been the weirdest thing, because like on Friday, when he went to the hospital, which apparently the timing was such that they didn't announce it until after the markets closed. Yeah, they probably right. did that on I, purpose. Well, yeah. I mean, but that's probably why he was airlifted in a helicopter instead of like taking a car. But so it's it's wiped out everything else that's been happening. So, I mean, there was a lot of people like the reactions on social media was like most of my friends were very skeptical that he was sick at all. Uh, I I wasn't. 
I happen to be on line or just just uh, just about to get offline perhaps I'll tell myself at 1 a.m when this news actually <laughs> came through <laughs> and that was immediate like the the conspiracy theories were absolutely immediate that like people were like oh I don't believe it he's always he's it, it's a ploy to get sympathy he's gonna have an amazing comeback and then he's, he'll be a hero and then other you know <laughs> there was that camp and then there were other people saying well, someone targeted them with COVID and gave it to them on purpose. It, it was, it really was an immediate shit show. <laughs> well, the targeting and giving it to people on purpose is kind of, I feel it's more on them because he was traveling all over the place last week. Oh, yeah. And, Including New and Jersey. Fact, thanks yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I cannot imagine what you know, could you imagine paying $250,000 to go to some fucking fundraiser and having the, your your hero infect I you? I would stop that check. <laughs> like, stop that check. I know. I know. Uh, but I think they probably cash that shit right away. <laughs> I don't think they wait because that's that's not the move of a of a of a con man is to wait for the checks to clear. I think it's like bring cash. I, my <laughs> argument against the the idea of him, you know, trying to get sympathy is that's not in character for him. He always wants to remain the strong guy, the tough guy, or seem that that he's, uh, you know, better than everybody. So I, I, I never bought that. Well, I know, but the tone police have been telling everybody, you know, you have to now be, you know, pray for him or be sympathetic for him and and not be like, um, what was it? The the word Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude yeah. had, yeah, that that got that was a trending. Uh, everybody was searching yeah. on that all weekend because they didn't know what it meant. I guess they're probably looking. And how there's to an spell English. It. Uh, could be, could be, or how to say yeah. it. I didn't used to know how to say it. I think I called it Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude. along for a long <laughs> a long time until I heard somebody actually say it. You were talking about the tone police around this, you know. And I have yes. seen it all all on all sides. And I just want to say that I think people should be able to respond the way they respond. You know, like some people are angry that people aren't showing sympathy, but a, a fair number of people are also angry that anyone dare show any kind of sympathy or empathy. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm honestly, I feel like him not being in a position to be causing harm to people is a good thing. Whatever, how, I, you know, I don't want to wish somebody harm or, or pain. I, and I don't, I don't, I really don't. But I think there were some people who were really upset at people saying, you know, I want to take the high road and wish him, him and Melania well or whatever, as if that's a bad thing. I mean, if you're, if you're sincere about feeling that, then fucking say it. I don't think there's any reason that we have to tell people how to respond to something you know yeah. no i i agree i agree but it's fair um, to be and, angry at this person you know i mean I, that's fair too yeah i mean i'm on i have very mixed feelings about it i mean it would be on one hand having him not able to continue breaking everything would be great but on the other hand i want to see him <laughs> in Europe at The Hague getting prosecuted for crimes against humanity. I want him and like everybody in that fucking administration <laughs> prosecuted for that shit. And I, I kind of want to see him behind bars. And if he's dead, he can't be arrested. Mm -hmm. 
So yes, there is some schadenfreude for this, but there would be way more if he loses the election by a landslide and then gets prosecuted. Yeah. So, and I just, you know, yeah. him not, you know, losing the election and just being <laughs> out of power and not not hurting people is all I want, really. And but I understand your I understand your feelings too. Yeah, I I agree with that. But you know, the other thing that's striking me about this is the display of support for him that all the people who are outside the hospital making noise and uh, it, it's getting to be really really wild. When I was I was watching it like all night. I I didn't realize I was up till three o'clock in the morning. I'm just afraid it's going to get too big. And this this kind of showed me what's going to happen if he loses the election. When? Is there going to be some kind of revolution, civil no, war? I don't no. think so. I don't think so. I hope not. I don't think so. I You know, because you also have the supposed Proud Boy rally in Philadelphia over the weekend. This that- didn't happen, right? Well, I well apparent well it depends. You have to I read a few different things about it. And West Philly turned out at this park in there were a few hundred people there who were, you know, West Philly natives or people from the neighborhood and they were there. They and were they proud did, boys. They had speeches and stuff. No, they were um just neighborhood people. You could call them anti fascist. Yeah, West Philadelphia you know, is known just, for activism. That's sort of yes. the part of the So they all showed up and apparently there were two people who came into the park who looked a little confused for a minute and then left. And then there was a third person with a gun that was chased out of the park by a hundred people. And you know, you so heard more about there this may than I have, did. that's interesting. I was looking because I, I wanted to see what happened. And then, you know, of course, the Proud Boys posted a, a, a thing saying, oh, well, uh, this this event we were advertising for the last two weeks is a joke just to see, just to waste you guys' time or some shit like that. So, you know, yeah, sure. The the extremists are there and there are a lot more of us than there are of them. And I hate doing the us and them thing, but those people are you know, basically actively talking about killing everyone else, you know, the people that don't agree mm-hmm. with them. So I I don't have a lot of sympathy or wiggle room for tolerance of that. You know, um, why should I tolerate somebody who's trying to kill me? Yeah, that's well, yeah, not that's, a, that's a whole, it's stupid. Right. It's not a it's not something you, 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 you know, if you want to actually survive into old age or whatever, you don't like, oh, yeah, you want to kill me? Go ahead. Yeah, sure. No, I don't think anyone's um, saying that about the Proud Boys. Are they? No, <laughs> no. Well, no, I, I I saw them. There was a there was a little clip of some like the leader, the guy that founded the Proud Boys saying literally that, yes, we want to kill you. So fuck them. Yeah, that's <laughs> I I liked how the gay men, uh, uh, you know, took over their their hashtag. Yes, <laughs> yes, very good. Yes, and I hope that continues for forever. Um, <laughs> right. <sighs> I'm much happier having proud boys being gay men who are proud to be mm. gay. I that that's fine yes. with me. <laughs> so, in other weirdo news, <laughs> um, <laughs> so. I, I guess most people are familiar with the QAnon conspiracy theory, which is 
it's even hard to describe. It's so it's so uh, wide ranging, but it has to do with Democrats and Hollywood people having like an underground child trafficking sex ring, and 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 Trump being the person who was secretly working to put them all in jail and things like that. Yeah. It's oh, okay. it's among many many other pieces of this. But, uh, yeah, I, I know the logical the logical pretzel things they have to do in their heads to get to that conclusion boggles it's my very, mind. It's very extreme and very scary and it's caused a lot of violence. But one of the things that has happened recently is that it's come from strictly like the far right into other communities and it's really made its way into the alternative health and yoga communities. Oh, recently. really? Yes. And that is a thing that's really strange. It seems like it's even lost some of its extreme like political jargon and it's been more about mistrust of government generally and things like that so it's sort of targeting people who you know care about children because they're trying to they're using like hashtag save the children and and that sort of thing that draws people into it initially and also people who maybe just are interested in alternative health might be skeptical of of vaccines or that kind of thing or science or skeptical (laughs) science exactly you know so it's a it's a weird thing. And I was listening to on the media podcast where Sean Korn, who's a very uh, famous yoga teacher and I believe author and speaker as well, was talking about like putting out information and saying like, you know, she and other, yoga, you know, significant sort of like influencers, I guess, like saying we stand against QAnon and, and sort of taking a stand against it because they're seeing it crop up. And I've seen it a little bit mm-hmm. in threads of people who I know who are to Kirtan and things like that. And, you know, not any of my immediate friends, but people who are commenting on things that they've written about concerns around coronavirus and things like that. So when I heard it as a larger phenomenon, it was really alarming, you know, and and I just wanted to say that it's the best information that I have about this kind of thing when someone's in a cult is like, if you yell at them and go like, what are you doing? You're totally stupid. That's just ridiculous. Like that doesn't actually help, you know? <laughs> no, I know. So just, you know, allowing, if it's, if, if, if you start to see messages like that or comments from a friend, just let them know you're, you're their friend and that you might have read some other information and just sort of kind of stay conversational as much as you can. I mean, if someone's yelling at you and telling you you're a pedophile, you might not be able to continue <laughs> connecting, you know, which is what happens. A lot of times QAnon will just alienate people from their friends and family, you know. Well, that's a cult. That's the exactly, cult. Exactly. But if there's yeah. a way to keep a keep a line to that person, just so they, they know that there's somebody other else out there who might have other information like it could that's that's seems to be the shot at helping somebody find you're their saying, way back. You're saying don't just kick them to the curb right away try to try to gently gently guide them back to sanity if you can if it's it's a loved one i mean it sounds really scary like i don't know anyone super close to me who's gotten into it i know some i know a couple people who think that you know wearing a mask isn't that important because they take all their vitamins or something which is unfortunate but but they're not like saying things about hillary and you know JFK yeah. Jr. is actually alive and is going to do something okay. official in the government or, you know, there's a lot more to QAnon, but I haven't heard that yet. Yeah. But, I, heard, you know, I do know people who have alternative health thoughts that are a little bit outside of the norm and maybe outside of 
what's healthy, <laughs> you know? Mm. So I'm hoping that I'm going to try to keep in mind to like, uh, try to give some better facts if you can. And if I can, and not, well, yeah, not just say you're stupid, <laughs> get, get out of my face because I, I think I want to try to help if I can, but, but again, you can you know, you have to take care of you, you know? So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. It's a weird turn for this phenomenon. Mm. Uh, I can't even, I, there's enough, there's enough like real stuff happening. That's really troubling. Right. <laughs> Without coming up with new bullshit things that are I, I just put my one QAnon theory in there that the president is, that their reasoning goes, is pretending to have COVID-19 as part of a grand plan to arrest Hillary Clinton. They, they oh always have to bring it back to Clinton. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just have uh, to breathe. <laughs> And here's a here's a, a actual positive thing that that I want to just toss out there because this I guess happened um, last night or this morning is the Nobel Prize in Medicine has been awarded for the discovery of hepatitis C. So thank you guys. And I, I just want to say the names of the winners, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce the second one right, but it's Harvey J. Alter, Michael Houghton, Houghton, and Charles M. Okay. Rice. For oh, the discovery of oh, good, good. See, Let's so. recognize their names. Yes. yes. Very cool. And this is my last little bit. It's not exactly news, but my friend Angie Marth, who is an artist and my tattooist, uh, she has a Kickstarter going on right now called Paintings from Quarantine, a book of paintings that I really, really would love to see funded. And not just because I want a copy of the book. <laughs> I mean, that's a big reason. These paintings uh, she did starting around March when the lockdown happened, and there's a, a large series of paintings, and they're very, very powerful, and they need to be seen by a wider audience. There's a little over a month left to fund this project, and I hope that you guys could look at it and hopefully fund it or tell your friends to fund it. These paintings are they're they're powerful. They're it's it's really intense art that. I don't know that I I would want it hanging where I would see it every day because they're they're evoking strong emotional reactions, but they I think they need to be seen by a wider audience, and I would certainly love to have a copy of the collection in book form so I could look through them when I'm feeling emotionally strong enough to look. Through so, them. what's I've, the name of the Kickstarter? It's called Paintings from Quarantine. Um, we'll put a, a link on our webpage uh, for this post and uh, and I'll probably be posting about it on our leftscape timeline as well on Facebook. Yes. I'm looking forward to seeing these. It sounds yeah, really yeah. important. Yeah. She's been, she's been posting them all throughout the year on Facebook as she's been finishing wow. them. And, and I kept saying her, you need to publish these in the book form. So the, the Kickstarter is kind of my fault. So I, I really want to see it. Be successful. Uh, yeah. I imagine too, though, that it will be expensive to, Publish because you want to have quality so that you really see the yes. pictures and the color and everything. Yes. Yes. And that and costs she's, money. And she's, yes. And I think that's all the news we can handle. Yeah, that's all the news I can handle. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is sponsored by... 
not looking at the news until after 5 p.m. Working at home? Want to get anything done today? Maybe you should consider not looking at news until after 5 p.m. Daily users report lower blood pressure and higher productivity. On sale now, wherever and whenever you have the discipline. And now back to our podcast. Hello, my name is Dylan Carmichael, uh, founder of RBM. I like long walks on the beach. And you are listening to Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Well, I'm very happy to be here on the Leftscape with Lisa Yancey. Lisa is an entrepreneurial strategist who has built a practice solving problems for nonprofit organizations. Through her organization, uh, through her company, Yancey Consulting, she specializes in strategic organizational planning, leadership coaching, and much more. She's also a co-founder of The Wheeze Match, which is dedicated to creating an ecosystem of scale, wealth, and wellness for Black women entrepreneurs, and also of Sourcemed a biologics company dedicated to building plant-based options for chronic pain management with a focus on sickle cell anemia, which is an amazing amount of things that you do. That's so great. (laughs) And Lisa Yancey is a member of the New York State Bar Association and lives in Mount Vernon, New York. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to talk with you. So as I said, like you do a lot of things and and I know I have so much more I want to learn about your work. Um, One of the through lines that I see is that it seems that everything you do is focused on making things material or materially better in some way for individuals and communities. So was that always a goal of yours? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can even get more specific. I have um, an intention uh, around impacting historically disenfranchised, um, otherwise marginalized and underinvested communities. And so uh, our focus, Yancey Consulting, uh, since 2009 has worked exclusively either on projects or with organizations um, that impact historically disinvested, um, disenfranchised and um, disinvested or underinvested communities. And we look at, at impact in five lenses. So we're looking at economic, we're looking at systemic and structural, visibility, leadership development, and environment. And the Weeds Match is uh, 100% dedicated to Black women and entrepreneurs thriving like period, and we're building an alternative universe where everyone who wants to be a member of that universe um, are committed to that objective and, and that mission. And Sorsamed, um, you know, we're uh, integrating both uh, cannabinoids and microalgae um, as a core area. So chlorella and the, the ingredients, the nutrition around chlorella and the, um, the benefits, the medicinal benefits of cannabinoids uh, on a very, um, a disease that impacts um, African Americans and globally, Indian, uh, India, and um, the Congo, uh, primarily um, Black and Brown communities. And as there were so many medicinal options coming out um, with cannabinoids, the sickle cell was not mentioned. And my um, co-founder um, mom died of sickle cell and she carries the sickle cell trait. And so she was like, well, what about sickle cell, right? Like where is sickle cell in this wheel of, of therapeutic options? And um, we explored that with my brother who is a metabolic engineer and have since evolved looking at solutions that are 
are holistically based and nutrition based um, for sickle cell anemia. So that's a th that thread is certainly better, but there's a, an intentional focus um, on black and brown communities. That's really beautiful. Um, in, in, in black and brown communities and, and specifically, and in progressive communities, and this is my, this might even be more of a general question about progressive communities, but I'm interested in how it affects black and brown people specifically as well. Um, you know, having a strong critique of capitalism makes sense, you know, um, for people from the left and, um, you know, but sometimes I think that critique winds up limiting people's abundance in some way. Yeah. And I think that the limitations come from a different, you know, if you have oppression, that's specifically, that's a different thing in, in some of our communities. But um, I'm wondering if that's something that you've seen and how have you turned that to to look at ways of creating abundance and not sort of feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm not deserving of this or that's an ugly system that I don't want to deal with. And I've seen those things be at play for people. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have to, we start from where we are uh, and then we interrogate the, the, the systems of where we are to identify where the oppressive acts are um, and within. Um, I want to back up a little bit and, and just even name and how in such interrogation, we have to interrogate even language. And so yeah. even notions of progressive communities um, um, sometimes presume that there is a singular understanding of what that is. Yeah, not at all, and it's true. <laughs> right, like progressing from where? <laughs> like right, right. From what point are you progressing? Where is that advancement coming from? And what, from what point have um, your lives and conditions forced such progression that may have, that usually hadn't been recognized, right? Your survival, your existence is, in, is evidence of progression, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm always mindful of like, progressive communities um, connected to like liberal communities, but liberation is still in order, right? It's something that's being, that's being sought. And so um, I've let's, I hold that kind of mindfulness and that's the, the type and level of um, interrogation that we, and I, and then I, I build this on a we because um, my ideas uh, and how I form comes from um, the ideas of others, right? Like we build upon whom, and so I, I always acknowledge that the the analysis and the critique comes from um, being um, shepherded and, and challenged and molded by others who provide analysis and critique. And the critique around capitalism, um, certainly, uh, Ibram X. Hindi uh, talks about capitalism and and um, racism and suprem white supremacy as con conjoined twins because uh, they're completely intertwined. Uh, Dr. Pamela Jolly talks about how um, black folks came in America on the balance sheet, right? Because as mm. an equity, as an asset. And so of course we absolutely have to interrogate um, capitalism. Um, usually profit uh, is built on the, the oppression and extraction of as much everything, whether it's labor, free, this, as others. Now, it, that's, that's absolutely true. At the same time, I, I, I believe we need to build wealth in our communities. I believe we have intellectual access. I believe that we have to build capital um, and, and we have to interrogate the system so we don't have to play by those rules within the system. We have to 
um, identify what are the alternative ways that we continue to resource ourselves and invite that kind of resources and shift and change the calculus in which we determine what um, we are willing to do for the value of a return and what does profit mean. If profit means oppression, that's problematic. But if profit means abundance and how can we build where there's greater um, livelihood and thrivability for individuals, then that profit has a much more holistic understanding. And we don't have to be limited to the frameworks that have been um, forced upon us. I think it is our job to challenge them because we know that not only are they flawed, they're operating as design and that design is inherent oppression. But um, we, I believe that when we oversimplify everything, um, that same analysis can likely apply to any alternative universe on some degree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can I, I, you tell me like an example of something that you've worked on that you feel really like a particular project that really encapsulated that making the shift and creating something better for everybody? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the um, one of the things with, with Yancey Consulting, uh, we especially since uh, the last 11 years, we've gotten really specific on who we work with. It not only made it easier of when and how to say yes, it also made it clear of how we're making impact, right? Like, so when you create a framework of saying, we only say yes, if you, the work has is, is doing something um, that um, reframes, undermine, dismantle a system that has oppression or lifts up um, leadership development uh, with individuals who are are amazing and brilliant, but are operating within a context and framework and culture that is not seeing that brilliance, or is raising the visibility of organizations that are unknown that are doing amazing work, or looking at saying, well, let's ch- let's question um, the economic systems where the um, philanthropy con- con- um, construct um, perpetuates the need for um, charity, right? It doesn't begin to change. It's those who are giving are always the same who's giving and those who are receiving are typically the same. So to your question of uh, an example, um, uh, there's a, it's like an ecosystem of examples of those that, that do that particular work, specifically where you look at change-based work. Um, there are a number of coalitions that um, have are looking to and are working towards um aggregating their their resources in a way that in a model that would be like, this is mine, this is yours, this is mine, this is yours, doesn't allow for um, the aggregated resource, aggregated benefit of shared resource and collaboration that are looking to um, um, resource their, 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 their ideas through philanthropy and partnerships and saying, no, it's not just me, it is all. And then the the yield of the all actually is better than the individual because it has more capacity, more reach, more um, um, impact. Um, With the WEEZ match, I I mean, the model of the WEEZ match and the idea of the WEEZ match, we're building, so the platform is not up yet, but we have been working and matching with um, Black women entrepreneurs as we um, want it to be intentional and being clear on where the gaps are and not be um, redundant and what's already out there and realize that we don't have to, we just need, we need to aggregate an ecosystem where everything that's a part of that ecosystem is dedicated to that end, 
Black women entrepreneurs thriving. I mean, it became really simple. So capital or mentorship or resources. So that is an alternative eco- ecosystem that's looking to tap into the 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 loss in our economy and our jobs for systems that haven't that have under resources. This vast community of high performing um, business owners and entrepreneurs that are under underperforming in this in, in the sense of its potential economic yield because it hasn't been resourced in the same way um, as white uh, and even just white women enterprises by comparison, right? Like by comparison. And so I I, I don't want to do a single. I, I what I'm offer what I'm offering in these examples is saying that when you hold that the model in which such potentiality exists that catalyzes into reality as it moves from the potential um, can cross sectors, um, can cross economics when you center the intention and the value for um, more abundance or more net positive, (laughs) more net positive for more people than the few. Wonderful, thank you so much. That's awesome. So it's all part of one system and, and one, you know, overall question, I guess I'm asking you. And this is this is really, I think, central to what struck me most about many of the things I've heard you say, which are all inspiring. You mentioned one time that everyone should go for exactly what they want to do and be without apology. And I'm not sure exactly how you phrased it, but that was basically the idea. And that's another place where people assume limitation. People just think that, well, you can't just do that. So what was your path to living your fullness and and how do you invite people to get to that place? So I, I believe in being unapologetic because I believe in Nina Simone way, that's where liberation lives, right? When you the fearlessness of it. Um, I mean, it's a storage path. And and the timing of you asking this question, uh, my family right now is undergoing some reckoning, some truth Mm -hmm. and its own truth and reconciliation. And that truth and reconciliation is opening up like a cauldron of other stories that's like, damn, that happened to me, or this is happening to me, or I needed to talk to my um, parent or my sister or my brother about this or my child or right like there's and so this this idea of getting to being unapologetic comes with um, moving through your own stories of, of where there is light and darkness right uh, where there is um, um, strength and 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 pain. And I believe that um, sometimes it, it may seem like when um, we are able to arrive in a place where the skin in which we we live fits, and and that actually happened in my thirties. I was like, I feel like I feel myself. I don't have to do anything other than that. And it's, there's not a search, um, but it came from like. I want to say I always credit dance. I used to be a dancer and choreographer, and I'm grateful for having a visceral and somatic vocabulary 
of expression um, to uh, complement this overused verbal expression, um, but it also allowed to tap into energetic expressions and breakthroughs. And that's part of finding space and being unapologetic. I'm grateful for the countless of um, mentors, um, many of whom are Black women, um, not exclusively, but certainly in abundance, um, who created spaces of saying, I see you and your, you defining your journey uh, is exactly what it's supposed to be. You don't, you didn't have to uh, finish law school, become a member of the bar and then be a part of that firm just because they invited you when you felt like they didn't really see you and that you were, they were checking another box. You didn't have to like be entrepreneurial, even if you don't know what it is that you want to do. And so finding people who are saying that's okay to counter the people that are saying, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? What about your bills? What about your student loans? What about this? All that fear, right? Like all that all right. stuff. It helps the shape of getting to this place. Surround yourself, hear yourself first, trust your own voice. Even if you don't, even if you don't know why, like trust it. Um, meditation and manifestation for me has been a practice that allowed me to um, receive and see others who are like me and instantly see me like, yo, we tribe. And surrounding yourself with that kind of tribe that um, not just uh, yeses you, but also challenges you in, in, a, in a healthy, um, loving way but love can hold critique and rigor and you can learn to build muscles around that. That allows you to get to the more unapologeticness because unapologetic um, isn't at the, the expense of others. It's actually building a muscle, muscles where you're you also sharing, I see you too. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that and, and inviting the you in, in all of your forms and challenging these constructions across all of the isms, all of it, challenging it and saying, that was created by someone who wasn't intending to see you. So we can we can um, we can disallow and disavow that to be our truth and define that for ourselves. Webster is not the only one who gets to hold that space, right? We right, right. can be the generators and or originators of our own <laughs> definitions. Um, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Awesome. So I hear that, and I feel like I have been on that in in alignment with that part of my life a, a bunch of the times and sometimes I fall off of it and I think that's what a lot of people probably have that like coming back and forgetting and remembering kind of a experience so from a practical sense are are there things you can say about how to take steps forward into your fullness in a way that is um financially uh i don't want to say reasonable because you've got to just be you I, you know i mean i hear that you know um so are you saying like really just take the leap always or are you saying find a strategic way to take the steps to get there and sometimes it takes it would take making choices around money and other kinds of things yeah it's a combination I believe that the first step, though, is set the intention and say it out loud. I think that that's 80 percent. 80 percent of the work is deciding first. Um, once you say I am and I will and then move first, you may start with I want, I want to then transition that want to will. 
then transition that will to and. I am this, even if it's not here yet. I am this. This exists for me every day, every day. Then plan, right? Then you have to do the action accordingly, like set the intent first and then act towards that intention. And so then your decisions on what you do, how you decide where you go is operating with the intent of whatever you're claiming to be present for you. So I am financially independent. I am um, doing it on terms on, on something I love. Then that means like, okay, well, what's the thing that you love that can then yield some, some the finances that you want? Write that out, put it up, let you see it, follow the path, follow up with people around that. Like, so it's, 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 it's not mere faith in the sense of I'm going to say it and I'm going to sit back. It's active, right? It's active manifestation. It's not passive manifestation. But 80% of it, honestly, is you saying it, claiming it to receive it. Because then your, your mind, what start, it starts in the mind first, then it lives in the world. So once it re- is real in your mind, then everything that you do operates in that space. And the you know, strategy comes in the service of that. But strategy is only in the service of a of, of vision. And so the vision has to be there first. The intention has to be there first. Then you can say, okay, what's the best pathway to get there? But you can't set a pathway to something that's not yet set. Like a pathway to anywhere is nowhere. Right. Awesome. So of your many current projects, what's exciting? What are you What are you working on now that you would like, or anything you'd like to share with us? Ah! I love, 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 love what we're doing with Source of Med. I mean, we're moving into product development. We had conversations with sickle cell disease, um, really, um, some some call themselves warriors. Some don't want to adopt the militarized version of that and say, you know, we're holding who we are. And so I respect all of that. I'm like, I love interrogating the language, but every day saying that I will fight this. Um, because this is a, a blood disorder that comes at birth. And so it's a lifelong um, adaptation of seeing who and how you are. And we are working directly in um, devising um, um, ho- more, more holistic alternatives uh, to the hydroxyurea and others that once you get fully into crisis. And the exploration of that is just fantastic. And I'm excited about that. And so we believe that we all have a first round of products uh, within this calendar year uh, to test out. So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about what we're doing with the Weeds Match. Um, as a Black woman entrepreneur, um, who, who works with Black women entrepreneur, this idea of build, building our own, let's say, Amazon, complete ecosystem where everything that's connected there is about Black women um, entrepreneurs thriving and building and, and connecting with those who want to invest in. Um, and investing can be um, financial, it can be social capital, it can be leveraging resources, it can be pro- providing access to space. It can be, I mean, it's all of those things because you're like, yep, I want you to thrive because when you thrive, we all thrive. Like you thrive, we all thrive. Theory of change there is that when you focus on the person, that's why wellness is key. The well-being is central um, because we, we opt that in being able to have the intention of what we were just talking about require us to feel wellness within ourselves. And so everything that flows from that <laughs> comes from how we see and understand ourselves and what we surround ourselves. And, and a lot of us have to, and, and I'm, I'm a part of the us, had to work through unpacking others' um, projected image of who and how we are to then be like, well, how do I see myself without those layers? So 
if the person is well, her business will be well. And when her business is well, the community is well. And so we start and center the person versus centering the business. The business is an output of the human who is actually imagining and doing that. And so and building a company that's centered in those values um, and having, we're starting a, a Seattle chapter. There's some, some investors and some entrepreneurs out there that's going to to kick this off, I'm working on our initial um, audits tools and um, look and identifying partners who want to come in uh, and be a part of this ecosystem in the launch in this year. So that's super exciting, super super exciting to me. And with um, with Yancey Consulting, uh, we just uh, grew by five new people uh, within the past four months. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant team, and really looking and doing a lot of writing uh, around. Uh, uh, not just challenging the status quo from, for just the challenge sake, but really working towards um, an ecosystem analysis that, that invites ideas of a collective that doesn't live in a single sector to ideate around um, how do we, what is the alternative, right? Like in an Octavia Butler kind of way, like what is the future we want to imagine? How do we do it in a way that um, understands that there's not a single answer. And in all the answers, but we, where we want to hold the core values that inform the possibilities and knowing that there's not one a one size fits possibilities, but embracing that, that allows us to say, well, this isn't a one size fix in these conditions. These may be better options, but here are the harms. And let's also acknowledge the harms so that we can both implement the better options and care for the harm. Instead of saying we, nothing can happen without any harm, because I'm I'm not of the belief that there's never going to be something with zero harm. There's something that happens, but the mindfulness and understanding will mitigate where those harms live and not create um, un, unintended oppressive practices that says that that harm isn't worthy of um, attention or investment or acknowledgement or care. Or, or or solution like let's mm -hmm. let's operate within it while we build these alternatives. So I'm really excited about all of that. We're doing some amazing writing, building, working with some awesome organizations and entrepreneurs, um, and we'll see what happens with these products that come out this year. So that sounds great. I am definitely going to keep track of what you're what you're up to. It's a lot of great stuff, and we will have uh, your links on our show notes too, awesome. so people can can check you out and, yeah. and learn more about you. Yeah, we're in development, um, and. One of the things that the, well, particularly in development, so YC has been around for um, 19 years now, so that's happening, uh, but Source of Med and um, the Weeds Match are in development and we decided that part of the being transparent about process, because the magic is, the learning is in process. And so very often we want to like, well, let's wait before coming out until all this stuff is done. Like, no, look, we're in development, it's happening. If you want to support and become part and email, um, these things are in process and 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 in the sharing and allowing for the transparency of the process, it uh, actually we're getting feedback that like it's so helpful to see what you're doing, how you're doing, how you're developing, how you're growing towards building a vision like this versus after the fact, then you're saying in hindsight and, I'm, and we're like, well, we only want to be um, responsive to the need. And so what allows us to stay on the pulse of the need is active engagement with the end users with whom we are in community, right? Like this is in the service of. So yeah, hit us up. <laughs> awesome, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Lisa. It's great to You're talk welcome. to you. You're welcome. Thank you for right. inviting me, Robin. I really appreciate um, you inviting me to be in conversation with you. Great, thank you. 
This is the Ikigai segment. And to be very recursive and meta, I will be talking about what Ikigai is because I finally got a book or two and I read them. So now I'm an expert. <laughs> Wendy read a book. Yes, Wendy read Even a book. Two books. <laughs> so one of them is a book and the other one is a, a workbook or a journal, but they're both about Ikigai. But the book I read is called Ikigai, This Japanese Secret to a Long and Happy Life by Hector Garcia and Francis Miralles. And the other book is called The Little Ikigai Journal, and that one is by Amanda Kudo. And originally, I had noticed Ikigai from a social media post with the Venn diagram that explains that Ikigai, which is a Japanese word, that has no direct translation into English. And, and honestly, there's a lot of a lot of words in foreign languages that that represent concepts that we don't have in English. And so it makes us as English speakers, it's very difficult for us to really understand what that stuff means. I've and noticed that when I do my kirtan chant type stuff and meditations, I've stopped trying to give long explanations of what the Sanskrit means. I just feel like you need to chant into it and know it internally somehow. So I yeah. feel, I get, I get it that it's tough. Yeah, I mean, tough. There's, there's some concepts that, that you either have to experience it and go, oh, wow, this thing happened to me. And then you're describing it to somebody and then they go, oh, well, that's blah, blah, blah. And then in, in, in a Sanskrit word, I go, really? That, okay. Or you just kind of dismiss the entire experience because you don't have the language to describe N it. Naming the thing will make it real, huh? Yeah. Well, naming the thing, yes, it makes it real and it makes you really understand it at a at a gut level. But ikigai is the intersection of doing what you love, doing what you do well, doing what you can get paid for, and doing some what the world needs and and when i saw that i went wow that's really deep and it's really something i want to do and i could never get that fourth circle you know what the Getting world paid needs. no oh, i could yeah. i could do the three i i have been very good at doing some things that i loved and i and i would get paid for them but the world needs it if, if it's if it helps the world eh, not necessarily you know i mean there's a lot of stuff that I, that i like doing that that could be you know you stuff stuff you make can be used for good or evil you know and and they were using it for evil so i got out of that <laughs> and i don't do that anymore it's that how how what the world needs you know, you could think of it on a global level, and then and that's where I started feeling very intimidated and that feeling like I'll never get there, you know, because does the world need another song, for instance? Does the world need to see this little cute character that I drew? You know, it's like need or it would be nice. It's, you know, there's it's like, you know, the world needs health care and food and, and and the shelter. World needs, the world needs art, though, too. Yeah, yeah. I had I to. Know. I had to kind of get to that. But there yeah. are other. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's 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 a way for me to maybe stop myself from doing stuff because it's, you know you gotta you gotta start thinking about the the interpretation of the world needing something. Um, <laughs> you're so hard on yourself. 
if you put jars of pickles out at a county fair and people buy them, then that means the people needed pickles. Otherwise, they wouldn't buy them. And they're part of the world. So it's not like you're going to create world peace with your pickles. Okay. That's funny. (laughs) Well, but I do, I I get that feeling too of what am I, what is my work really doing? Yeah. I've had that feeling. And is it, is it enough or is it the right thing? So, so anyway, so that's where I was before I read these books. So reading the books, the first, the book that not the workbook, the, the first book really, instead of explaining to me what this concept is, other than kind of just giving it a broad brush saying, this is your life's purpose. This is, you know, what it is that, why you get up in the morning every day. You know, it's to do this thing. It's to be, to create these things or to to do whatever it is you're doing. And that's why you get up and that's, you're happy to get up and you want to, you want to get up and you want to get out and go do the stuff. That's your, what, what I've been in, interpreting as what your life's purpose is. But then the rest of the book really feel, felt like, you know, the guidebook for how to live to a hundred and beyond. And they looked at specifically this village or, or town in, in Okinawa in Japan and where this one town has the most number of people over 100 years old than anywhere else in the world. And so they went there to see what was different about life there than anywhere else in the world. And it's, you know, their description of, of how the people live and, and, and these centenarians uh, it's, it's quite the idyllic, almost utopian kind of a lifestyle. Everybody is gardening every day. They, you know, and that apparently the gardening is enough physical activity to help keep them moving, you know, keep your body working, you know, and I, and I didn't think gardening was that strenuous until this year when I started doing a lot of it. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's work, it's physical labor and it's good. And the other things that they do, and and I will have to preface that by saying my experience of Japanese culture really comes from watching lots and lots of anime and reading <laughs> and 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 some movies and a couple of TV shows. So so you know take what I take what I'm saying with however much salt you need to take. But, you know, <laughs> off off to the side, you're making me think as you're talking about the gardening, you're making me think of Voltaire's Candide and how making your garden grow was the essence of life. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, Didn't you ever see Candide? That beautiful no. song about make our gardens grow. No, I have not. But I do know the one melody. Yeah, that's Kunaganda's jewel song. But that's when you say Candide, that's what goes in my head. Yeah. So, But anyway, <laughs> um, they have these social groups these social groups that these clubs, these social clubs, and there's, and I, and that's something that this is what I picked up from anime and from other things and from this book, because all the kids in high school, they're all in, you know, a million different clubs. They're like in soccer club or they're in band club or, or, you know, it's like a sports thing or a hobby thing or, or just something. And, and all of these centenarians are members of various clubs in this community. And, 
and in their clubs, you know, there would be like a knitting club or, or a pottery club or basket weaving club. And they would get together and they would make things and they would sell these things. And the money from that endeavor would, you know, help to maintain their clubhouses. Uh, and I guess it's also because like when they go do their their crafting and, and physical, you know, their their activities, they have separate buildings for them. They don't just stay home and do all this stuff all the time. You know, so that's there's a there's a social interaction component to this. And, and a community component to this. And they're very involved in their communities. And, you know, they have, they, they seem to have a very positive outlook on life. And that kind of makes sense. Because if you're going to be hanging around for 100 years, why would you do it if, if every day is kind of yucky? Mm. You know? <laughs> it, so is this book saying that like engaging in things that you care about and, and, and connecting with other people is part of what really helps yeah. keep you well overall. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and it seems, and, and I think some of that, I, they also, you know, they also interviewed people in other cultures. I know there was a, an Italian woman, but then they also, you know, there's, it's like people in Italy, people in Russia, people here and there that they talked about and, and seeing what, what it was that they were doing. Uh, there were certainly also other. Why did they talk to these particular people? Were they sent over they 100 were over, years old? Over 100 years old. Okay, <laughs> that's that was the criteria. You okay. had to be over 100 years old for them to interview you. A lot of it, you know, the, the book was the book was more how to live to 100 and beyond, rather than how to find your purpose in life. Kind of what the workbook is trying to do, and and it. It, it, I haven't really worked through the workbook yet. I, I only just skimmed it because it's, you know, they, they give you a prompt to think about and then to write some stuff, you know, like you look, look at your resume and see all the things that you've been able to do and what is it that you've done well and what is it that you enjoyed about, I guess, look through all your old jobs to see if there was something you liked, you mm. know, um, you know, that's just an example. Uh, so there's going to be, I have to work my way through that workbook to really kind of you know, figure out for myself what the hell I need to be doing. <laughs> I kind of have a feeling about it now that, that I've, that I've realized this is more of like, okay, I need to find my purpose in life. And, and I'm hoping that I will find it before my life is over. <laughs> But it's also it also plays into because um, our our ikigai segment that that this is a part of is also how to make money and survive in the world because you know we don't live in these small tight knit communities you know we live in America where everybody's supposed to be a rugged individualist and. <laughs> That's something that I've been really thinking a lot about, you know, because I, uh, I've i been talking with some friends uh, that are interested in doing like a co-housing kind of a thing, perhaps at some point, and just looking at the options and ideas and just at the very beginning stages of like, what would we all want? What, what do we value together? Mm -hmm. Like, could we do something like that? And it's, uh, I'm finding, well, when I look at all the news I can handle, <laughs> I, I get this feeling of one of the huge, like glaring things that I see in American culture right now is this real lack of 
empathy, I guess is the word everyone's mm. using, but but there's a sense of it's not typical in a lot of cases to care about other people's well-being at all. Like that's not part of the equation. In fact, it's sort of you might even be seen as foolish to even can make that a consideration. It's you like know? every man for himself. Huh? Yes, yes. And there is that kind of like individualism that you were talking about, Wendy, that is like, I mean, I think it's fine to be able to be strong and self-reliant, but the, the the extreme end of that is that like, and I don't give a shit about anybody else, you know? Right. And so I've and always- We're seeing examples of that. Yes, yes, we are, <laughs> you know? And so I've always been really interested in community and, you know, I'm part of like the bisexual community and the polyamory community and creating spaces to have discussions or uh, parties or something like that. But I feel like I'm really interested in deepening that now and like thinking like, what are the, the real core, the essence of, of, of what I love and what I'm interested in. And I think some of those are, that's part of it maybe, you know, in a, in a community that would be my ideal, but really settling in with creating something with people that maybe we could support each other in different ways or, you know, that kind of exploration that you're talking about. It may not be like a whole town or something, but, I think we really need that. So I'm glad that we're thinking about and talking about this kind of thing. Like how do we support each other in small groups or larger groups as we can, you know? I I hate to say it, but adversity, at least in our culture, when we, when we are facing a crisis, that's when people, because it's apparently leaving our comfort zone to band together for a purpose, you know, or Mm -hmm. at least for me. (laughs) <laughs> it's leaving my comfort zone. Having a common enemy. Zone. Well, it's a common enemy is we need to get past that because at some point, in order, I think, for humanity to survive as a species, we kinda have to get past that. Yeah. We have to get we have to we have to get past this residual colonial mindset and and find something to replace capitalism these the problems we're facing are so huge and that's i guess one of my personal issues with trying to figure out how to get my ikigai because if i if i go if i start peeling off layers and i'm saying okay i can't solve global warming by myself you know it's it's not like, like I can't do a global thing. I have to start looking smaller and smaller and smaller, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to have it be outside of my household. Cause I think right now, 2020 has gotten me to contract so far inward. I'm barely looking beyond my property line at this point. Yeah. You know? And I need to go out farther than that. But, but I think what I was trying to say <laughs> was during like, for example, during hurricane Sandy, I had I had been living in this neighborhood uh, for three or four years by then. I had not met any of my neighbors at all. <clears throat> and when the power went out for 11 days, I met everyone on my block and we helped each other with stuff. You know, my next door neighbor and and the other people who I actually interacted with during Sandy, we've kept, you know, we've become friendly, if not friends. And that was a start. And, and I realized that just even starting in your, in your immediate neighborhood and, and making a little bit of connections with your neighbors, uh, it will, you know, like, let us say 
that if you hadn't done that and then some weird shit like the Proud Boys or somebody come marching through your street, if you know your neighbors, you can maybe do something. And if you don't, it's like you can't go outside, you know, if mm. if, if shit gets real. It's like, you know, you want to have these relationships built in, especially in your neighborhood, because that way, you know, you're looking out for each other. And I know the internet has made our immediate friend group be very geographically disparate, spread out. And, and that brings up other challenges, but you can still have, I guess, a, a, a non-physical community. It's not, I, I don't think it's as good, which is one of the reasons why the cancellation of all of the science fiction conventions for me this year and i guess for a lot of people for all of the the big social events that we would usually go to and see people that we like that we don't get to see except one or two times a year when we're at these things that lack has been you know affecting people i know it's affected me a bit that has been very painful for me because uh, honestly my communities don't exist near me I have a, a neighbor that I'm close to. Yeah. Well, and, you're, you're also pretty rural. Yeah. I say that right. Rural. God, I can't tell. It you. is a weird word, right? <laughs> and it's, um, it's, it's hard, you know? And, and I've been thinking a lot about like really distilling what is most important to me in terms of community and gravitating toward that and maybe spending less time in, in some of the, communities that I find I'm finding less affinity with, you know, mm. and just trying to get honest about that and figure out what that piece of my ikigai is. Yeah. You know, I know. And we kind of, we kind of got all over the place in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. But so what is your, when you bring it back to what you read and what you, um, um well, you it's, it's discovering your life's ikigai is discovering your life's purpose. And, and when we continue to talk about this subject, we'll we'll look at different facets of it. I know we've we've kind of lumped entrepreneurialism, if that is a word. I might have added some extra bits to that. <laughs> Makes it, I, it, in context, it made perfect sense. Well, I think that is because you were talking about the piece of making your living. Yeah, but I think it's not about it's not just about the practical aspects of how to get rid of your too much email it's really about <laughs> getting your doing your work doing meaningful work doing really. meaningful work that you find joy in yeah is really and it's and it's something that you know if it's not like uh like how i feel about well probably everybody feels but i don't know about paying the bills and doing the taxes it's like it's not the it's not the thing that you would do all of the other like clean the toilets first because you, that's on your list too, but this other thing is even more distasteful than toilet cleaning. And I'm thinking of toilet cleaning as like, or litter box changing is like the like a, the bottom of the list of things that you want to do on, right, <laughs> at a right. given time. And your work shouldn't be in that pile. It should be the ikigai thing should be the stuff you want to do first. That's the best thing you can do for yourself that day. Mm -hmm. you know and and that's like the top of your to-do list and i have and actually doing that is i guess that's playing into executive dysfunction which we could talk about a whole other a whole other topic 
that we could talk about. And I think part of that is, is like doing all of the, it's doing other things to avoid doing the thing that you don't want to be doing. And, and that's like the opposite of Ikigai. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> huh. So, I'm finding that my, the things that I love the most are all in many ways physical. And physical that's an interesting work? thing for me to discover that physical work, exercise, Hi, like I, I remember one time I took that that test you take in high school where they tell you what your what job you should have, you know. <laughs> and the, and honestly, I mean it's not all that. I mean music and science were usually first and second, or you know. Same. That's why we get along. Exactly. But park ranger was one of my. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome! <laughs> and I thought it was really funny, but it's absolutely true, really. Like if I'm out, you know, chopping you know trying to deal deal with the brush in my yard or doing like physical work like that like i am really somewhere at peace you know and i think it's because i can be creative i can be thinking of poems or i can do whatever but also moving my body and moving my muscles and swimming and all of those Mm. things and it's like that's something that i've been sort of grappling with because so much of the other work that i love is sort of stationary because I need to be sitting and writing or doing something and I I don't mind that but I think the balance has been off Mm. and that's sort of a significant thing I've noticed in the last couple of years that I'm trying to figure out like you know how to make that work and I don't know I mean we we had a we had this segment recorded well we thought we had this segment recorded and instead of we should be recording this as like something got screwed up and we weren't recording this and I didn't notice for a long time. So I don't know if I've said it this time or not, but all of the centenarians in the Okinawa town, all of them do gardening. You said it. You said it. I did. Okay. Well, that's, and, and you're, and you're chopping the brush in your yard. You have a yard that could lend itself to a huge amount of physical garden. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If you if you want. It, <laughs> and and now that I've started on this this gardening adventure, it it's endless work cuz you keep thinking, "Oh, it's fall. I don't have anything to do. I have so much more to do now." <laughs> like all summer, it's crazy. But it's something that is it's tiring, but I feel good afterwards and I love getting dirty. And and I and I was I read that that the there's stuff in the soil that that actually improve your mood. There's like yeah, chemicals that that are the, that help you release serotonin, I think, or something like something weird like that. There's something that happens. So so yeah, go garden and then while you're while you're and that this is not just to you. This is this is my my advice for for everyone listening. Uh, start a garden. If you can, even if it's like, you know, a, a little flower pot of herbs in your window, you know, just play with dirt, grow some things. <laughs> and then grow your flower pot in the window sounds like understanding mine. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> understanding of what uh, of life's purpose from from that's a good starting point. Huh? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Thomas Limoncelli. 
web hosting by InMotion, and remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash leftscape. Thanks for listening.